if socialism is communism light, there is still a totalitarian undercurrent there that wants to move toward taking over everything. Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview. And welcome to Outstanding. I'm your host, Joseph Backholm, and today we are going to talk about socialism. A 2022 poll by Pew Research found that 53% of Americans aged 18 to 29 have a positive view of socialism. This is up 43% from 2018. A 2021 poll by Gen Z Barometer found that 67% of Gen Z Americans have a positive view of socialism. That was up 52% from 2019. Why is this happening? And what exactly is socialism? I have two friends joining me for this conversation today. The first is someone who knows socialism well from personal experience. Yoe Suarez is a writer, producer, and journalist exiled from Cuba due to his investigative reporting about themes like torture, political prisoners, government blacklist, cyber surveillance, and freedom of expression and conscience. He's also the author of the books Leviathan, Political Police and Socialist Terror, and El Soplo del Dominio, Violence and Gangsterism in Havana. That was my gringo reading of his Spanish title. He has also recently written a four-part series at the Washington Stand titled Henchmen of Castroism are Taking Advantage of the U.S. Border Crisis. So he's obviously done a lot of writing. You can check out that series at WashingtonStand.com. Also joining me for the conversation today is someone familiar to our audience. Jared Bridges is the editor of the Washington Stand. He also has his own experience with socialism, which we're going to get into today. Gentlemen, Jared, Yoe, thanks for joining me today. Good to be here. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Well, we're glad to have you. And Yoe, I'm going to start with you. Um, tell us a bit about your background, why you have come to uh, write so much and talk so much about socialism. Well, um, living in Cuba, I suffered as, as well as my family suffered a lot because of socialism, because of Fidel Castro's re regime. And it's, it's very sad what my country is, is being uh, right now um, 60 more than 60 years of socialist uh, policies, a socialist economy, centralized economy uh, has put my, my country in the bottom of the list of the less wealth uh, countries in the hemisphere. When back in 1959, for example, uh, our economy competed with the Italian or Spanish economy and now is competing with the Haiti or Central or some Central American countries' economies. And that, I think, can um, make a, a good image for those who are listening to us today yeah. uh, for what the socialism has done there. Socialism is a very, very bad idea. Now, I can assure you. Yo, I, most of the people listening in on this conversation today have lived only in the United States. And you, you talk about the differences in the economy. You've lived in Cuba. You now live in Florida. Practically speaking, what are the differences, the, the things that might be 
just normal to Americans, we assume it can't be any other way, that are actually very different in a place like Cuba? For the first time that I uh, ate a tangerine in years was here in USA. When I came to USA eight months ago with my family, with my wife and our little kid, and it it's uh, amazing because Cuba is a tropical island, you know? You should have fruits there. That's an image that maybe can portray what's happening in Cuba regards the crisis uh, uh, with um, food, food crisis. There are a lot of, of issues with the energy crisis as well. Here you doesn't have, you don't have in, in USA, thank God, uh, blackouts or are not that common. Blackouts. It's well, kind of a weird. It's it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that thing. because California has actually started dealing with blackouts lately, and arguably they are the most socialized uh, political jurisdiction in the United States, and they in fact do have blackouts they're starting to deal with. So maybe there's a connection. Well, you you have there your answer. Uh, they they are trying to push socialist policies there. And that's, as I told you, a very bad idea because blackouts in Cuba are a very regular thing. Mm -hmm. You know, milk, it's very hard for people to uh, have to um, uh, bring to the table milk or food for babies. It's very hard. I, I raised my, ch my child for four years in, in Havana uh, and, and even when where where. That, that was the capital of the country. It has a, a slowly best um, chance there. You have a slowly best chance there to um, uh, have food, for instance, yeah. or medicines. But in other parts of the island, they live like kind of in, in, the, in the 19th century yeah. when, when Cuba was a, a Spanish, a Spain colony. You know, for, for example, medicine. You uh, you look in the in the countryside, Cuba, in small cities, in small towns, and there you don't have any modern medicine, even antibiotics. You know that's kind of the things are happening there because of the socialist centralization, the the, the huge power of the state, and the, um, and and how the the military class, the, the militaries are uh, putting the boots over the neck of the people, of the regular people, okay. who are trying to make the, the, the best for the families to, you know, to start a business, for instance, uh, for 60 years. Yeah. Yo, I, I want to get some clarification here, because you talk about the fact that things like antibiotics are not available. You said that you had never had a tangerine in Cuba, despite the fact that it's a tropical island. Milk is kind of a luxury item. What is it that the government there does that makes it difficult for people to get like get things like tangerines and milk? For example, the, the principal uh, obstacle is the state itself. The state is so big that producers, for example, can have can um, have the right to sell their own products as tangerines or milk directly to the people every producer in cuba every farmer in cuba has to put all the products they produced to uh, an institution and, and state institution is a huge institution named acopio i don't know what how, how to say that in english but its name is a kind of acopio that centralized 
all the production of food in Cuba. What happens? The state is very inefficient, like every, like almost every big state, and then the the products are rotten in the in the field, maybe because there are no um, good coordination, because there are no any intention to sell food for people. But if you have regard, let's let's draw another scenario. If those producers, if those farmers, has to um, sell, could, could have the chance to sell directly those products to the people, yeah. they are the most interested person in, you know, that yeah. their products, their their uh, the fruit of their labor, don't don't be rotten in the in the fields. So they they want to to sell that to the people because they want to have the earn of their of their work now this and we're going to get to jared because i want to get his his context on this as well but is it fair to say that from the cuban government's perspective this massive agency that they have created who ultimately has to control all produce so all milks and tangerine and antibiotics go to them and then they distribute it is it the perspective of the cuban government that that needs to happen because it's the it's the best way to distribute all the goods equitably is that the goal from the government's perspective? I think the principal goal is political control. That's a, that's the principal goal. And then they have to build a narrative uh, of goodness behind that, of virtue. But there uh, is a narrative of goodness and virtue. Is that the point? They say we're going to do this because yes. this is the way to yes. make sure we can provide for everyone. That's correct, and the idea of equality—everybody have a, 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 the same outcome, even if you work eight uh, hours a day, or or other person works four. You know that that idea of equality—it's a very uh, obstacle. It's a main obstacle for Cuba to flourish, to re-flourish as in the um us before the communist revolution okay now jared let's bring you in you have your own you you've not lived in cuba to my knowledge no but you have your own experience living in this kind of a of a state tell us about that some time ago mm-hmm. um i i was um I did campus ministry in the former Soviet Union and lived in uh, Minsk, Belarus, uh, and was was able. And, and this was coming out of college. I had and, and j- just to give put in perspective my my take on uh, political philosophies at the time. Um, you know, I, I was you know I, I was conservative, but I I just didn't put much stock into it because you know I, I'm do, I'm doing ministry and I think. All right. It, it, what's really important is just to, to share Jesus with people. These political philosophies just don't matter. That that was what had kind of been brewing in the environment I was in in college. And um, it is important to share <laughs> Jesus with people and, and, and give people the gospel. It is supremely important. Yes, in fact. It, yes. it is. It, it, the, I, and I don't diminish that at all. Um, but um, I found uh, just going to Belarus, a, pa- a place that had suffered under under communism for 70 years, yeah. and this was in the wake of the, the fall, but Belarus was still the, the most 
socialistic um, of the former Soviet republics, and it still is today, really. Um, and it's been in the news lately as allying with with Russia in the in the Ukraine war. Um, but at the time, just the things I ran into was just seeing how that system for that long a time had oppressed people. Um, you had people were just really apathetic to to who their government leaders were or what they could do in government. They just didn't, you know, eh, they'll do what they do and we'll do what we do. So what I saw was a lot of underground cultures being um, brought up. People were doing things that needed to be done, not in the official manner, but on on the underground. But then just experiencing it myself, like uh, socialized medicine, for example. I I had um, had a pain in my ribs um, it re- hurt really bad. I couldn't, and I didn't know what, I didn't know if I'd broken something or what. So I go, you know, my, my choices were the, um, the, the doctor, uh, the, the socialized hospital or somebody knew a, a private doctor that I could pay. Well, I go to this private doctor and I'm, you know, I don't even know what I'm going to pay him, but it's not much, but, uh, it's, it's better than what I'll get at the, at the other hospital. So he, He's a pediatrician, you know. I'm like 24 years old uh, at the time, and he he X-rays me. Couldn't find something on the X-ray, so he he sends me to the tractor factory. Um, An actual tractor factory? Yeah, where they make tractors. Yeah, okay. The clinic at the tractor. That factory. makes sense. Sure. And so I I go in the middle of winter, walk out to the tractor factory. <laughs> And they give me a live X-ray where they're like they were look, have a TV screen and they're shooting the X-ray into me, and I'm like, okay, I'm probably just got radiated, but <laughs> there. But I end I'll up never have children. I end up going. Jerry. I do have children. Yeah. Uh, I end up yes. going back to the. Um, uh, I, I go back to the, this doctor with the, the X-ray report, and he so he he prescribes me three medications. So ivermectin. Let me guess. I don't know what <laughs> no? they were. Okay. But, but there were three medications, and so in the middle of winter, I walked all over town to seven different pharmacies, and I found one of the medications. Yeah. Now you know, and and put that in perspective today, like here here in America, at you know, I'll I'll go to the drugstore and get get upset if I have to wait 15 minutes for my prescription for to be filled. Yeah. But that's that's what social that's the reality. I think what what you have is I, I mean what became evident to me was that there something is not what it yeah. says it is. What year what years this were was, you in This was 98 99. Yeah, okay, that was similar. I I spent some time in Bulgaria in 1996 and one of the things that struck me in addition to like the shortages of goods and the and how unusual it was in the American context to be able to go in and have like 98 different boxes of cereal you could choose from, right? But was was like the lack of like joy. You could it was like almost palpable like people did not make eye contact you didn't look at each other there was like this suspicion nobody ever smiled it was it was a strange just like it the joy had been sucked out of this country over 100 you know it wasn't 100 years in bulgaria but it was generations of oppression uh, by this what was ultimately a communist state right so there's all these different 
implications for this. But before we get um, deeper into the conversation, I'll let either of you answer where do you draw the line or do you draw a line between socialism and communism? Because we're talking about the USSR, mm. which is an avowedly <clears throat> communist state. And I think at the, at the top of the show, I talked about the, um, the, uh, the way that young people are feeling kind of positive right. about socialism. I don't think they would say they're positive about communism because right. that's like they, they think about gulags and Joseph Stalin and the USSR and things that are associated with badness, right? But socialism somehow has been rebranded as something positive. Where's the line between socialism and communism or is there one? Well, communism is the higher face, quote unquote, of socialism. Socialism, in theory, is the pre um, the pre scenario. I don't know if that's word in English. The pre, the 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 predecessor scenario that is previous to yeah. communist society. Yeah. So you have to make, in theory, the, um, some changes in the economical uh, development, in the eco economic um, environment of your society to that can lead to uh, a communist society. Where is the this para par paradise in er on earth, you know, that mm -hmm. they are trying to, to build that every what everybody shares every everything, and that's just not a paradise. Just that's just another hole of hell, no, another circle of hell in Earth. And um, the the issue with socialism is that are there are a lot there is a lot of uh, misinformation. For instance, people said. Hey, Scandinavian countries are socialist, but that was funny. Uh, even a prime minister of a, a Scandinavian country, I thought that was uh, Denmark. He he says in, in a in a public um, meeting, please don't repeat that lie. We are not socialists. Please don't repeat that lie because it's dangerous. That kind of idea, as as the national socialist idea, as the fascist idea, those totalitarian ideas are very, very dangerous. So, Yoi, explain then, what's the difference between the Scandinavian countries, which a lot of American progressives like to refer to as socialism, as kind of their ideal version of socialism, and actual socialism, as you understand it? The principal uh, difference is that you have um, um, uh, 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 an economic freedom there. You have a free market there. There are restrictions. There are maybe um, high um, taxes paid, but you, you, on there have um, freedom of uh, economic economical freedom, and by the other hand, you have uh, freedom of expression, which is very, very, very important. The first um, thing that Fidel Castro did was to capitalize, to uh, monopolize all the media. And when he did that, there were another reforms that he made, like the agricultural reform in Cuba. He destroyed the small and medium businesses. Obviously, he began with the, with the big businesses, you know, with uh, corporations, with multinational enterprises in Cuba, but it, the big industries. 
And a lot of people were clapping, were clapping about that because uh, socialism also took a lot of force from the envy, from envy, from low, um, from low uh, feelings of people, you know, from bad feelings as envy. And there was a lot of people, there were a lot of people in the 60s in Cuba clapping because the nationalizations, quote unquote, nationalizations of industries. And then the communists come take their business, their small, their medium business in Cuba. My hometown is Seattle, who in recent years has elected not Democrats, not progressives, not socialists, openly communist members of the city council, uh, one of which who called for the privatization of Boeing, or I mean, for not the privatization, (laughs) the government takeover of Boeing, which is, of course, a major uh, airplane manufacturer in in the Seattle area and got reelected having done so. Right. So the stories that you you tell of the Fidel Castro government coming in and nationalizing these large corporations sound terrible and ridiculous. But let's understand this has actually worked its way into some American cities where people are being elected making the same arguments. Well, and I, I think one word that uh, Yoe mentioned that I think is it, it is a thread that runs through socialism and communism is this totalitarianism. And, and what that means is that it even within okay if socialism is communism light there is still a totalitarian undercurrent there that wants to move toward taking over everything it's not going to be satisfied with just you know as yoe said the you know castro started with the big corporations but it it filters down from there that's it, one thing is not going to be enough so you have people wanting okay free um free college here in the, in the united states bernie sanders wanting wanting have uh, free um universities for for everyone yeah. um you know obviously one it's not free somebody's got to pay for it and, and two it's not just going to stop there. It, it has to to move toward that totality. And then, and you're looking at it, the difference between a biblical worldview and that you have competing totalitarianism, whereas the gospel of Christ calls for totality. Well, it of, is it is totalitarian right. in 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 totality sense. Yeah, yes, but it, but it's, a, it's much different than than what uh, what socialism uh, presents. Now, the reason why. I think people are sympathetic to socialism is because there's this sense that corporations are corrupt and they're driven by the profit motive. And so greedy people exploit others just to make two more dollars when they already have billions of dollars. And that impulse needs to be controlled and regulated. And the only way we can control and regulate that and stop the exploitation that greedy capitalists are inclined to do is if the government can stop them from doing so. Why is it that we have a significant segment in the culture that believes corporations are corruptible, but governments are somehow pure in their motives? Have you seen greed exist in in socialism, Yoey? (laughs) 
Ah, obviously. And the, the, the saddest thing is that socialism take a lot from uh, envy. Socialism means is institutionalized envy. Is that socialism is just that. And um, if someone is successful, they're trying to break down those people. Even in an impoverished society, as the Cuban society, as the current Cuban society, there are those committees, uh, Comités de Defensa de la Revolución, in English it could be translated as um, surveillance of the revolution committees in the neighborhoods where your own neighbor can um, snitch you, snitch, like yeah, yeah, uh, snitch. de la tarde, yeah, that's right. uh, snitch to you, to the authorities, if you are doing a, a business that is prosperous, that's insane. And you are uh, uh, that's a way to destroy the social fabric, the, the, um, the social environment where you can live a healthy social environment where your neighbor could, you know, give the hand to you, give their hands to you. No, the socialism puts their envy, fuel that um, state control with that low, obscure feelings that uh, humans have. Yeah. And the idea of why why this is, uh, why socialism is so popular, I think it's virtual, uh, virtual uh, signaling, um, virtual signaling. Mm -hmm. for a lot of people a lot of people think that if they vote give they vote for a person who is gonna take from the wealthy and giving to the poor they are good no you are good because you ca you can help in your community because you are a good parent or you are a good um a son that's why not not because you gave to the uh, gave power to state you know, from a from a worldview perspective, in order to be like really concerned about socialism, you don't have to deny the vulnerability of the capitalist system, right? Because the critique of it, which is real, is that people are greedy and people because of our sin nature, we do exploit others if unregulated, if our hearts are unregulated, we will take advantage of other people to our own benefit, right? right? And that happens economically and it happens socially and it yeah. happens in all sorts of ways, right? So we don't have to deny the vulnerabilities of a free market in order to recognize the vulnerabilities and the, the corruptibility of government. And I think what we're arguing for what a biblical worldview argues for is a decentralization of power in general. And that's what our founders understood is because they knew that men are not angels, as James Madison described it, because men are not angels, we have to make sure that no man gets too much power because, as the old saying says, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts right. absolutely, right? The more power that you have. And so the free marketplace by nature decentralizes power. It allows opportunities for exploitation, but the power is not centralized anywhere. By necessity, a socialist governmental system centralizes power. And when you support that, you're assuming that the people that that centralized power is centralized under are somehow always benevolent, always good, never self-seeking, and always seeking the welfare of others. And all of human history tells us that's not true. There's no examples of that actually happening. Right. And and it's not, 
and, and the solution to one problem is not to bring in a worse problem. Right. Uh, you know. Yes. The, the solution of a headache is not cancer. <laughs> That's more aptly put. Well right. said, yes. Yoe. And, and, and actually, yes. you know, Thomas Sowell, I, I want to read a quote that he, um, he, he uh, something he said about this. He said that when politicians say spread the wealth, translate that as concentrate the power because that is the only way that you can spread the wealth. And once they get yes. the power concentrated, they can do anything else they want to, as people have discovered often to their own horrors in countries around the world. Yoe, do you think that's a fair description of what's happened in Cuba? Yes, completely fair. And what we saw in Cuba is a man promising Fidel Castro, promising people, hey, we are going to have again a republic. We're going to have again freedom and taking freedom with that sick narrative of everybody has to be equal. No, we don't. God make us different. Everybody, we're good, bad, you know, it's it's just how God uh, make us. And a, a, a person, a man trying to engineer, engineering society, a society as the Cuban society, well, do you have, what, what do you have 60 years later? Well, you have an impoverished country, it's impoverished, a, a, a country where it's very difficult for people to leave. Right now, in the southern border of USA, there was entering USA uh, three, o sea, 300,000. 300,000. And, and like, I, I don't know how to say that long number in English. <laughs> 300,000. Yeah, 300,000. It, it was, yes, that's correct. And it was uh it is the three percent of the cuban population entering fleeing from from the country and that's just to usa to spain to mexico to even guinea equatorial in africa there are cubans to haiti there are cubans i don't see haitians people people from haiti coming to cuba even when they are trying to get uh, usa and their um boats goes to Cuba wrongly, they they say, no, no, thank you. Let, we want to go again to, to Haiti. But if you g give the chance to a Cuban going to Haiti, they're going to take that chance. You know, that's an image of what's happening in Cuba. Yeah. How, in light of that reality in Cuba, and Cuba is not the only place you can tell a story like that, how do we change the tide that's developing here in the United States where you have a growing number of young people who actually seem enthusiastic about socialism as they understand yeah. it. Even Christians. I've, well, yeah. and they just see it as sharing, right? right, they, right. They, these are the rules of kindergarten. Just share with people. If they need something, let them, you know, help them out, right? Why is that not socialism? Yeah, I, I think that the, the main issue there is it's it's uh, voluntarily mm -hmm. or it, if it's voluntarily, it's charity and charity is good. You know, there are the, there is the work of Samaritan Purse, a lot of a lot of uh, organizations I can, I can mention it all. And that's good because people voluntarily give their money, their time. Even you, you can also uh, give your time resources to to help another person but when a state 
tell told you, hey, you have to give me that percentage of your income in order to make great and good things that you are gonna be that you are not gonna be able to verify. It's very difficult, even in a in a country with with a with a huge democracy as as USA. Um, it's difficult for the regular citizen. That's not the idealist scenario. The idealist scenario is charity, because charity also get, um, construct, build virtue, and that's good. That's a great word, Yoy, and, and that is yeah. that's the difference. In in for those of you following along on the conversation, when we talk to people, yes, philanthropy, generosity, those are. Um, biblical virtues that we need to practice and pursue and encourage. But if Yoe needs something, and my solution to helping Yoe is breaking into Jared's house and stealing all of his stuff and then giving it to Yoe, that is not philanthropy. That is not generosity. No, that is theft, theft on my mean. part, right? But that is effectively what is being what is being proposed under these socialist systems. It is not generosity. Compelled generosity is not generosity. It is theft. It is totalitarian. It is robbery. All sorts of words you can use for it. So we need to be able to distinguish one from the other because the bounty that we have experienced in America, separate from a socialist system, the ability to get tangerines and milk and antibiotics when we need them is in the, in the context of human history, a tremendous luxury. And it is a tremendous luxury that is not guaranteed to endure if we do not preserve the ideas that made it possible. Yeah, and not to be confused, I mean, we're, we're not all merely concerned with the material goods that, that we're able to, to get under a free society, but we're also concerned with the freedoms we get under a free society. We get to, you know, the freedom to speak out. Um, you know, Yoe is was speaking out in Cuba, and now he has to speak out of Cuba. That's right, because um, they kicked him out. Back into it. So it's a, um, but being able to, to speak freely, being able to practice your uh, uh, faith beliefs, how, how you want them to do. Uh, so those all are, are part of it. And, and, and you can't, you can't just separate them either because it kind of comes as a package. And again, to quote Thomas Sowell, once they get the power concentrated, they yeah. can do anything else they want as the people have discovered often to their horror in countries around the world. Once they have the power to distribute the wealth, they have the power to stop you from speaking. They have the power to tell you what to buy, what you can't buy, and micromanage your life otherwise. Friends, thanks for this conversation, Yoe and Jared. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for the invitation again. And for those of you who have been along for the conversation, if this has been informative to you, share it with a friend because there is an 18 to 29 year old as the survey tells us in your life that needs to hear this conversation because they may be sucked into the lie of philanthropic socialism that doesn't actually exist and threatens uh, the well-being of all of us and in addition to sharing this go ahead and wherever you found this give us a five-star review it helps us reach more people with this message we really appreciate you being here today we'll see you next time on Outstanding. Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview.